continuing my series of homilies uh, on the Mass. And today we're going to dive into the Creed. Now, when we pray the Creed, it's this really long prayer. And of all the prayers in the Mass, it's probably the one that's like the least passionate. It's kind of, it's the statement of our faith. And so it might be easy to kind of like, as you're praying it, to just kind of like, like your, word, your mouth is moving and, 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 and sounds are coming out, but maybe not necessarily anything's going on up here. Maybe that's just for the guys. I don't know. I've heard ladies, that never stops. I don't know. That's what comedians say, that female brains are like spaghetti. Uh, no? Yeah? No? Yeah. Everything's connected. Right, male brains are like a storage, bo a storage uh, room where everything is in its own box and in its own place. Anyway, wow. Yeah, I should stick to my day job, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so the first thing that we need to do as we're praying the creed is pay attention. Pay attention to these words that we're saying. If you want to pay attention to what I'm saying, and you, you're a visual person, the creed is on page 82 in, today, in today's missile, because uh, we're going to go through kind of like phrase by phrase. Um, but pay attention to what it is that you're saying. Pay attention, right? It's, it, if we pray it thoughtfully and intentionally, it's going to mean much more. And it's, it's because it is the content of our faith. It is what we believe and profess to be true. And we believe and profess it to be true, not because we have seen it with our own eyes, because that's not the nature of what belief is. St. Paul says in his letter to the Hebrews, belief is, is uh, faith is the belief in things not seen. So these are the things that we've heard and we believe by faith to be true. Not because we can verify them like we can verify that the sun exists. Now furthermore, even though it seems like a dispassionate prayer, Uh, Dorothy Sayers, who's a, a Catholic mystery writer in the, in the mid-20th century, said that, uh, that dogma, the, our dogma is based on drama. You might be thinking, I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Like, I, I, I don't see the drama in that. I mean, I, I've watched enough um, Bachelor <laughs> to know what drama is, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so what, what does that speak of? Well, for us to get to those points in understanding what God revealed in and through the scriptures and in and through the tradition given orally through the apostles, in order for the church to understand that, she had to fight for the truth. Men and women died because they believed those things. They were killed, martyred, executed, beheaded, 
host of other things because they believed that. And even after the, the church and, and Catholicism was, Christianity was legal, there was this heresy that had propped up in the early 300s called Arianism, which believed that Christ was not God. He was fully manned, and he did, he did save us, but he wasn't God. And when I tell you the church was divided, you had the greens, I can't remember the colors, we'll just assign colors to them. The green side was the Arians, and the blue side was the, the full Catholic Christians. And the green side and the blue side would, be, would have like physical battles. The Arians would kill Christians because of what they believed. And there were battles, at, literally, here, here's a story, I don't know if it's true, but it's a, it's a story that at the Council of Nicaea, which established the creed that we're going to be talking about today, was St. Nicholas. Yes, that St. Nicholas. And St. Nicholas was a passionate man. And Arius, the, the heretic, was at the council, and he was spouting off his craziness. And St. Nicholas couldn't take it and decked him. Like, this was no small thing. A saint punched a heretic. I think that's pretty awesome. No one about you. <laughs> but I think, that, you know, that's great. Okay. But, like, all of this came together under great drama. Now, we're 1,700 years, 1,600 years, oh, like, distant from that drama. But we still have to acknowledge that that happened. That's part of the history. That's part of the story of the church. And we think of it in that way that this prayer has been handed down to us by men and women who had to die because they believed it. Changes the way that we pray it. So let's look at it. I believe in one God. So we start with the same affirmation of faith of our Jewish brothers and sisters. They believe that there is one God and he revealed himself to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to David. And this one God is the, the God who created everything and who bound himself to the people of Israel. This is that same God And he is one. Three persons, but one being. You ask me to explain that, I'll do my best, but I will fail. Because that, as my dad would say when I asked him and he didn't know the answer, he would say, oh, it's just a mystery. <laughs> Which was his safe way of saying, I don't know. <laughs> well, it is. It's a mystery. We can only pierce it so much. And for us to truly understand it, we would have to be God. And obviously we're not God, because we're here worshiping him, not us. One God. But not only that, he's the Father. Which means that he's not distant. He's not far away. He didn't set creation to, to go and then walked away. No, he's personal. 
He's relational. He wants to enter in to our lives. He's not just sitting up there just like watching and being like, okay, playing puppet master. No, he's, he's intimately involved with every part of our life. Just as a good father is with his children. He's also almighty. He has all of the power. All of the power, y'all. We read the Psalms constantly. It goes over and again, over again. Like, what do I have? And St. Paul says this. What do I have to be afraid? Why do I have to be anxious? Our God is all-powerful. And he's our Father, which means he can do everything for us. He is our creator, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. We acknowledge that there is a world and a plane that we cannot see, but that exists, that angels exist, and demons exist, and the evil one exists, and all of the saints in the heavenly kingdom because of their immortal souls, exist and are interceding for us. Those that are in hell, those that are in purgatory, they are there. Even though we cannot see them, they are still there. Wow. We've only gotten through four lines. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ. He is the same Lord of the Father. No different, except in personality. The only begotten Son of God. Born of the Father before all ages. The Father and the Son existed always. Along with the Holy Spirit, as we'll talk about in a second. But there was never a time when the Father was that the Son was not. And there was never a time that the Father was that the Holy Spirit was not. We think of generation as there's a parent and then there's a child because there was a time in the parent's life when the child was not. And that's when they went on vacations. <laughs> you like that one. <laughs> but there was always a time that all three were together. There was never a time when there was not all three. And that's what it means when it says God from God, light from light, true God from true God. That there is no difference. Right? They're of the same stuff. Just different personalities. Begotten, not made. And here's that word that was changed in the English in 2011. If you remember, consubstantial with the Father. How often do you use consubstantial in an email? Never, never, right? Consubstantial means of the same substance. Of the same substance. We're all of the same human nature, but we're of different substances. We're different individual, like, 
individual th individuals of the human nature. But of the divine nature, there's only one. They're of the same substance. And through him, all things were made. So notice, you, there's a connection. Created in heaven and earth, through him all things were made. That they act, enacted creation together. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And at this point, during the, during the prayer, we bow. Because of how important it is. And there are two days in the year where we don't just bow, but we genuflect. On the Feast of the Annunciation, on the day of Christmas. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate by the Virgin Mary and became man. So now he, the Son is not just divine, but he has also taken on a human nature. Still the same person having two natures. Why would he do such a thing? Why would God, who is almighty, who is perfect, enter into humanity, who is a mess? We're a mess. What's going on in the Middle East and in Israel right now? What's going on in our own city? We're a mess. <laughs> and the God of the universe, who is perfect, chose to enter into this mess. Why? So that he could lift it up. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. Which means that we state that Jesus isn't just something that we made up to help us understand the world. That he was a historical person who lived in a particular time and in a particular place and was executed by a particular man in history. This man who was the governor of Israel. On 33 AD. And who chose to wash his hands and let this man be crucified. He suffered death and was buried. You can't rise if you're not dead. <laughs> he died. There were some that will state that he did not die, that something else happened. They've stated that, different Christians have stated that over the course of the history to kind of like figure out, because God can't die. But yeah, he, he, he's not supposed to, but he did for our sake. And he rose again on the third day, which is why we celebrate Mass on Sunday the day that he rose from the dead. Rose on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, which means that we also believe that God had been preparing for 2,000, 3,000 years Jesus' coming and his salvific action, that the scriptures foretold that that would happen, which means that the Old Testament is important. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Now why would Jesus, wouldn't you think that Jesus would want to stay? you think the world would be different if Jesus was still walking around on earth? I can tell you categorically the answer is no. Because humans are humans. 
And when we want to do what we want to do, we do what we want to do. Eve proved that. <laughs> the reason that he ascended into heaven, the reason that he ascended into heaven is that he wanted to draw us all to himself. And if he's still on earth, he's still on earth. But he rather established the space and the place, as we'll talk about in a moment, for people to encounter him. You know who that is? You! The church! <laughs> Me too, but yeah. And the sacraments. That is the way that he chose for people to encounter him. So that he could draw all to himself. Not only that, but there will come a day where he will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Woo! I tell you, I'm looking forward to that day. Because all suffering will end, all death will end, all misery will end, all of the brokenness of human life will end, and all there will be is glory and peace and joy, all of the good things. I'm also looking forward to having a resurrected body. I don't know about you, but when you can walk through walls, that makes it really interesting when it can play practical jokes. <laughs> looking forward to that day. Ta-da! <laughs> anyway, Andrea already doesn't like me because I do that. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, again, connected to creation, that they created together. He's also the Lord who proceeds from the Father and the Son. So it's telling, in, in doing that, in begotten of the Father, and proceeds from the Father and the Son, it's showing their relationship. Just showing how they're interrelated who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified. The Holy Spirit is adored in the same way. And who has spoken through the prophets. That when the prophets spoke, they were speaking by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And indeed, all of the writers of Scripture were. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. One. The church is completely and totally united in and through the action and movement of the Holy Spirit. I don't know how much you think about this, but when we pray and when we enter into the life of the church, we are connected to every single member of the church. In Israel, in Cambodia, in South Africa, in Ecuador, in Hoboken, New Jersey. We're connected to every single person in the church. Not just here on earth, but all of the persons that are in, church, in part of the church, in purgatory, and in heaven. Every time that we celebrate Mass, all of your deceased loved ones are here, worshiping the Lord with you. If you miss them, this is the place where you can find them. She is holy. 
Now this might be hard to, to imagine because in the past 20 years, we've seen a lot of brokenness in the life of the church. We've seen a lot of things that we might want to say, you know, the church is going to hell in a handbasket. But there's a distinction to be made. Right? The church is holy. She's not holy because of her members. She's holy because she's animated by the Holy Spirit and is the body of Christ, the bride, his bridegroom. She is made holy not by anything that we do, but by what he has done. And she will always remain holy. That's why when she speaks on matters of faith and morals, all faith and all morals, she's able to speak with such definitive clarity. Because of her holiness. Now, her members, us, we're a mess. <laughs> That's why Christ established the sacrament of reconciliation, because he knew that we would need it. <laughs> we're broken. We're in need of his grace and his mercy and his redemption, and are constantly needing to be reminded of that. And we're going to fail. And I'm sure you've all experienced, whether it's publicly in these other things or personally, like of the brokenness of the church. Do not be discouraged. Saint, uh, not Saint, Venerable uh, Fulton Sheen said, do not judge the church by those who do not live its precepts well. Judge the church by those who live them well, the saints. That is the purest life of the church. St. Francis of Assisi, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Teresa of Calcutta, St. Rita. Those men and women are the men and women who we should be looking to to say this is the fullness of the life of the church. Not some person who, lived, who was in the church who said this thing that was really hurtful to you or this priest that did unspeakable things. That is not church. That's sin. That's of the evil one. She is holy. She's also Catholic, which means universal. The church welcomes every single person who repents and believes in the gospel. No matter where they come from, no matter their history, whether they've been incarcerated, whether they have committed murder, whether they have a certain color, speak a certain language, she welcomes everyone who repents and believes in the gospel. And she is apostolic, which means that her life is connected to the ministry of the apostles and so in, in, is connected to Christ. And we can connect her lineage from the beginning 
all the way until now. We are connected to those early Christians. I believe, I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. Some of our Protestant brothers and sisters, who, especially who welcome Catholics into their congregation, oh, you need to get baptized again, because that Catholic baptism didn't work. When you're baptized, there is a mark that is put on your soul that cannot be removed, no matter what we do or no matter what is done to us. We are bound to Christ. And in that one baptism, we're offered the possibility to enter into the kingdom of God. We're given a ticket. Now, by sin, we can lose that ticket, or forfeit that ticket, or sell that ticket, but we can easily get it back. Might be in a different seat. <laughs> we can still get that ticket by virtue of our baptism. Not only that, but we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. That our whole lives, this is not the end. Right? The prayer ends to remind us this is not the end. And I can't tell you how exciting that is. Y'all, this is not the end. <laughs> like, we, that, should, that should bring us so much joy. Like so much like joyful anticipation. St. Paul wrote in, the, in, the, in the, the second reading last week, if you remember, he said, I can't decide, Lord, if you want me to stay here to do your ministry, because rather I'd rather be in heaven. Because heaven is so much greater than here. And so when we confess that and we profess that, it can help to stir in us this desire for the heavenly things. Because let's be honest, the earthly things, because they're right before us, because they're visible, they're much more attractive. It's much easier to not eat ice cream if you don't go down the ice cream aisle. <laughs> it's much harder if every time you go in the grocery, I'm just going to pass through the frozen aisle. You know, <laughs> no. <laughs> if you pass through the frozen aisle, you're going to get ice cream. And if you're going to have ice cream, well, i got to eat it now because it's in the freezer. And I don't want it to go to waste, right? right? It's so much easier because of all those things right before us. And we can't see heaven. And so we have to ask the Lord to spur in us that desire for the thing that we cannot see, but we know is for our greatest good. Now I'm going to sit down. I'll give you a little second to kind of reflect. We're getting ready to pray this prayer together. I just said a whole lot, and maybe try to incorporate all of that into your prayer the first time might be difficult, but choose one of those things that stirred your heart. And when we pray that part of that, that prayer, that petition, let that sink in a little bit deeper. Let it have a little bit more meaning and intention for you. Because this is the content of our faith. And we are proud to profess it in Christ Jesus our Lord.